Hello, and welcome to Imagine Me and You, Rikuma. I'm Panda. I'm your host, and I'm here with Alice. How are you doing, Alice? I'm doing all right. And I'm also here with Cass. Hi, Cass. Yeah, I screwed it up. Hi, I'm Cass. If you want to pause for a second, we can do a clean take. No, it's funnier like that. It's funnier if I screw it up, honestly. (laughs) This is what I get for being uh, out of practice. I am literally just starting to learn, and I'm already screwing up. You gotta get back on that Duolingo. Uh, Actually, Duolingo's not super great for learning Japanese, because you really want to do immersion practice, so I've been practicing with a friend. (laughs) Anyway, we are here uh, with, I decided on a name for these episodes, it's Ginger Honey Tea Time, or Honey Ginger Tea Time, I don't remember what the the arrangement of the words is because I just did it earlier today but these are our special episodes post finishing Yurikuma series we'll be doing the manga soon but until then we will be talking with other people about their thoughts on Yurikuma Rashi and here we have back the shadow play gaze hi guys hi hey what's up we're happy to be back i'm christine mm-hmm. and i'm derek um <laughs> i just want to say first of all i'm glad that our cameras are not on because i was just going ham to the intro song like, me too oh i dance oh, every time so every time if you do not wig out to gwen's intro song then like you are an awful individual and you deserve nothing but pain yeah, my wife made us that theme song, so legally you have to dance. Mm. Let the record show it's I did. So good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, but the the listeners, if they have listened to your last episode, they know about how you got into Revolutionary Girl Utena. What I want to know is, how did you guys first end up watching Yurikuma Arashi? Because those end up being very different stories. <laughs> well, for me, um, it was... I, I'll go first. Yeah, you go first. Um, you, you watched it before me. Yes. Um, so I watched Yuri Kuma as it aired. By the time 2015 rolled around, I was fully uh, Ikuni-pilled. Watched Utsuna, watched Penguin Drum. I was raring to go for this. Um, and I did watch it week to week. And I'm excited to talk about it. It's it's not as fresh in my memory as either of those shows, but I, I definitely had capital T thoughts on the show as it was airing and continue to uh, as time goes on. And so I got, as you heard in the last episode, I started watching Utena in March of this year. And then I watched Yurikuma Rachi at the beginning of July over the course of like one weekend. It was just because I really liked Utena and I wanted to check out Yurikuma Rachi. And then after that, I watched Penguin Drum. Uh, but yeah, this was my next destination after I got into Utena. So I started watching it like short around shortly after we started the podcast. All right. So we've got two very disparate uh, fan experiences <laughs> with Yurikuma, which I think is very cool. Who is you guys' favorite Yuri Kuma character? Um, I would. I always really liked uh, Kureha. Um, I think for whatever reason, I tend to gravitate towards the main character of Iguhara works for whatever reason. I just think they just are like really well-rounded protagonists. And I just enjoyed her journey a lot. And plus, she looks so cool holding that rifle. Like, how can you not stand instantly? <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. I hadn't really thought about this too much, but I... I think for me, I mean, I want to say Kureha, but I'll go with Ginko because I, I just think like her, I mean, both of their the kind of journeys and characters are so interesting to look at together. But um, I think kind of her her story and her reckoning with um, their, their shared past is really moving to me. 
and she's just cool. she's a bear. She's cool. These are all solid choices. Like how do how do you really choose between like at least the three of them? Because they are all so, very lovable. Lulu's so also a queen. They yeah, so very much. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, growing up, I always gravitated towards the Green Ranger. So any green colored character, I'm instantly all on board with. So <laughs> we love you, Lulu. So you love Sionji. Um. <laughs> that's exactly what i was saying yeah of course Who doesn't? let the record show so yurikuma has kind of a i would say contentious reputation within ikuhara circles but would it be fair to say that both of you like the show uh, yes i would say firmly i do like it um i have a lot more qualms with it than utina or penguin drum but sure I, I think that's a given but i overall i do enjoy the show um and would say i'm a fan of it yes i would say I have more reservations about ever recommending this show to anyone. It is for me, but I don't think oh, it's for a lot of people. Um, and I do think, yeah, like Derek, I have like more issues with it. Somehow it is harder to recommend this show than the one where there are more incest couples than there are couples that aren't incestuous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ikuhara always just manages to top himself. What can I say? <laughs> I admit, I am already fascinated with Penguin Drum. You guys are going to... I still haven't seen it, and y'all are gonna just hype me up for whatever it is so hard that I will not be able to enjoy it in the end. (laughs) (laughs) I had had Penguin Drum hyped up a lot for me, and I still loved it. That's good. That's good. Well, I I am admittedly, like, super hyped to see it, so onward with that, but we are not here for Penguin Drum, I guess. We will be in a handful of episodes, but uh, not quite yet, because we're here to talk about bears. And, you know, as I I rewatched the first five episodes of this earlier today, I ambitiously thought I might manage to watch more than that, but it just did not happen, and... uh, I, you know, watching the first few episodes, as much as I do like this show, I definitely don't begrudge people who maybe felt like they needed to dip after episode three, even though I think that was maybe the wrong decision and that it definitely it's worth taking in as a whole work instead of just. I don't know. I feel like if you stop, like it's around episode four that the fan service starts to taper off a little bit and is not the focal point of everything, which I mean, I think is the point in a lot of ways. Yeah, like what one of the things that he's going for. It's I like the reason I have a hard time recommending the show to anyone is because it's like deliberately using provocative sexualized imagery. To, to make a point, but like that doesn't mm-hmm. change the fact that that's going to be kind, kind of too very uncomfortable to the viewer. And so like, that's why I say it's for me because I find what it's saying about like the power of the image and like how that relates to like lesbian sexuality, especially with like young lesbians like coming to terms with that. Uh, but like when I have recommended this show to everyone, it's with a big caveat of like, you might, it might be too much for you, <laughs> but just know that after the first three, ep- that it is this imagery is with a purpose, even though it's uncomfortable and that discomfort is part of the purpose. Um, but if you need to dip, like life's too short to watch something that really makes you deeply uncomfortable. So I would not begrudge anyone uh, for skipping out on it, but I am glad I stuck with it for sure because I do think it has interesting things to say. For some reason, you know, like I've been thinking a lot 
in the past couple of days about the hypersexualization in some of the imagery of Yuri Kuma. And like, I find that a lot of it has never bothered me as much as some other properties. Like, I. <laughs> I made a joke in the group chat I have about with Allison Cass yeah, no. about the virgin kill a kill versus the Chad Yurikuma <laughs> because uh, I feel like I don't know. I was I was freaking out, and you were completely fine the entire way. Well, okay, Alice, you and I have uh, very different. We have very different tolerances, but like, and also very different upbringings that Im- influence those tolerances. I mean, so like, if you want like difference in upbringing, Alice and I, Alice has it way worse than me because she grew up in like literally pastor house, but I went to parish school for all of high school. So like, Yuri Kuma was like is one of those things where I find it actually kind of surprising how little it bothers me. Yes, exactly. If I were younger, if I were still like getting out of high school or just getting into college, if I weren't like 30 years old, I would feel embarrassed more to recommend it than I would like uncomfortable just because it's like, I don't, I would be less worried about like other people being hurt by the show and more worried about how other people would think of me. Yes. Mm. But having like sat and watched the whole show, you know, like I, I tend to, it's less of a, like I'm uncomfortable until I know you're comfortable and more of, I am comfortable till I know you're uncomfortable kind of a thing for me where it's like, if I know someone is deeply uncomfortable with, you know, certain kinds of imagery, I'm not going to recommend that to them. But, you know, I, I say that about like every horror movie I've ever loved. And I recommend those to lots and lots of people. I usually begin with the caveat of can you handle horror? But, you know, if, if they can, like, go watch New Candyman. It's great. <laughs> well, one of the things that, like, I think separates Yuri Kuma from a lot of other fan service for me is like, it feels more like the way that teenagers are often horny and hormonal and less like this is a performance of horniness for an adult. And I know that not everybody- your really embarrassing teen brain unfiltered. Uh, uh, there are a lot of people who don't see Yurikuma that way and it definitely uh, contributed to Ikuhara garnering this reputation of like- this sleazy like fetishist of lesbians but like i don't know like i even watching through the most of the fan service earlier today i still was like not as uncomfortable as i have been seeing scenes from like darling in the franks oh jesus darling in the franks was a mistake i i know that that's an extreme example but i also (laughs) feel like it's no, no, it, it's a good example. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the difference is that Yurikuma is surrounded by, um, like, actual important good storytelling about queer people, whereas Starling in the Franks actively is against <laughs> all good things in the world. Proto-fascist, like, propaganda. So I, I totally I understand why you would prefer Yurikuma over Darling in the Franks. I'm glad I don't know what this is. <laughs> uh, don't find out. 
Imagine if somebody watched Evangelion, but they decided it needed to be like at least 75% hornier and 75% less profound. Word. (laughs) What if Evangelion is sort of like central, one of its central themes was that the only way for people to be satisfied morally in life was to be in a heterosexual marriage that had children involved. Yeah. Otherwise, they cannot be fully, truly fulfilled as human beings. That's not, I'm, I'm not exactly. It's, I, yeah, it's not even a joke. Yeah. That's just literally the subtext. Yeah, it's not extrapolating on anything. It's like textually what the show is about. It's awful. I am still not 100% convinced the Darling and the Franks guy isn't single-handedly like taking kickbacks under the table from Shinzo Abe to solve Japan's <laughs> 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 Because it really is like a show about like the joys of heteronormative relationships and the fulfillment of being able to have children. Yeah, and it's, it's like, awful. I don't have a problem with stories about how cool it is to be like a parent, but not this. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, I think to me, Yurikuma is different in that sense in that I do think that a lot of it is intention. It's like the point of a lot of it is to titillate or to uh, like, I, even though it does serve a point to an extent, uh, Christine and I have talked about this in regards to Evangelion. Um, some scenes of there in which like characters are um, portrayed in a certain way that is meant to be sort of arousing or whatever to the viewer. Um, but I do think that it is it kind of the saving grace of it is that it does still treat queer relationships as entirely valid, and it's about like canonically <laughs> queer people. Yes. Um, it's not like trying to talk about queer stuff, but also using straight relationships. Um, and it's, I don't know, it still is, like, it's, it gives me, like, the Monogatari series problem. I'm in a similar boat to all of you where I'm like, uh, I would recommend this, but, like, I just need to know how much you can handle what I call anime bullshit. Which yes. is just a, a, a euphemism for... You're talking about the same Monogatari, right? With the, the crab girl? Yes, my, uh, Bake Monogatari and, like, all the rest <laughs> of the series of that. Oh, God, you can, that's impo- it's impossible to tell people to watch it, even though it's, like really worth watching because it's you know that way yeah it's it's like bullshit it does like which is just a euphemism for they they draw uh underaged girls in sexy poses like that's just (laughs) what i mean by anime bullshit but for for yuri kuma at least it's like it is thematically in line with the show is trying to say and i i can forgive it for all of that uh to an extent i still would not say it like fully ever can recover from that inherently but uh, but i still think like christine said it's i still find it very worthwhile it talks about subjects that uh, like utana it talks about things that i don't see even in western media portrayed in a way that feels as true as it does in Yurikuma. yes uh christine earlier you mentioned the power of the image yeah so i was just about to get into that <laughs> Double segue. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, going off of this conversation of like, yes, this the the some of the like imagery does kind of make me uncomfortable, but it's because this show is so invested in exploring the power of the image and the way Utena is also interested in exploring the power of the image related particularly to like princeliness, the image of the prince. And what I really love about this show, it was one of those shows I enjoyed it as I watched it, but I really needed the, to finish it to really feel how I felt about it. And and when I did finish, I was uh, very moved because I do think this is a really like in many ways complete examination of the power of the image as it relates to how 
you know, queer people more broadly, but the, here specifically, like, uh, lesbians, like, understand themselves in the face of of these representations of their own identities because like we can easily recognize that like the hypersexual like kind of like predatory archetype you know of the of the lesbian is like obviously harmful and <laughs> that it like can shape how like not just society views lesbians but also like how you view yourself as being like a sexual object of desire because like in that case you know desire between two women is only articulated like only through deviance and only through its ability to appeal through the male gaze. What I love about Yurikuma is that it puts it in opposition with this, the inverse archetype and like it shows it as being equally harmful. The inverse archetype being the, the idealized notion of purity um, where desire is removed from the equation completely. And like all you have is this like neutered expression of uh, an innocent love and like on the surface, like this image isn't as like outwardly harmful because it's like, positive you know there it's like pure but it is equally as harmful because it like it does just as much to like alienate you from your own identity and desires like by completely removing it and so i don't know like i I, you see a lot of people come up against this like purity version of lesbianism when it comes to experiencing utna for the first time because it's always like you see it touted as like oh this is your 90s lesbian anime but then people are not prepared for like the intensity of some of the things that exactly come with watching utna because they have this idea of what lesbian media is supposed to look like and utna is not that <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, and Yurikuma is not that either. Obviously. No, it's 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 interested in in like there is no one that is like both halves can exist, and like that is like the ultimate conclusion. It's like you know the, the wall of severance. What happens when these two parts are no longer severed? It transcends the system, mm-hmm. and like that's why like it just more broadly like queer art like so much of like the the, the discourse. I think we might have talked about this last time. Is like about like you know good <laughs> representations and like simple representations, and it's like I love Yurikuma because it really confronts that idea very head on and like gets at the heart of it. That's just like demanding uh, like. Like a, an an innocent or p- more pure representation of of marginalized identities is just as harmful. Absolutely. The world is not an anodyne, sanitized place, and neither should we be. Is kind of what you're getting at, mm-hmm. or rather, neither should we demand that people contort themselves into. Yes, exactly. So to kind of ping off of what you were saying, Christine. Not just like through the power of image. One of the things I like about Yurikuma specifically is on a writing level, the vast majority of the horny in Yurikuma comes in kind of two flavors. It's either being forced through by someone who is bad and who will probably die in the next three scenes. <laughs> or it is intimate. Like almost and almost all the stuff between Koreha and Ginko is I would argue, kind of meant to be... There's, like, some surreal stuff, but the vast majority of those moments are kind of, like... It's meant to kind of convey a kind of quiet intimacy between the two of them. It's not just horny, it's also kind of, like, whirlwind teenage romance. Mm. Yeah, it's it's reminiscent of uh, Shitsukai Yori, if any of you are familiar uh, with that series from The New World. Shitsukai Yori. Uh, yes, I am, from The New World. Yes, came out, I believe, 2013. But in that show, uh, not to, I guess, spoil too much, but there are pretty much everyone in the cast is a bisexual, I guess, is how you would define them. Like, there's just these, like, teenage characters who all, like, have uh, romantic and sexual relationships with each other. But there is one scene 
in particular between two women that is a, a little more like uh, to use that word again titillating or it's just like I don't want to use the word graphic because like you don't really see much. Um, it, it is deliberately off screen. The well, if it's there's a, any, yeah, I remember this scene. Yeah, it's like it's all on screen, but like no clothes gets removed. It's just like very. It's just like an extended scene of two young women yeah. like rolling around in the grass, like, literally and figuratively, um, taking a roll in the hay. But I. I it's very similar in that like it's still like there's a sweetness to it and it is meant to i mean it's just like any sort of i guess love scene that you would see in a, a tv show or a movie it's just that i think anime has trained our brains to and see it as like inherently way more sexual and uh, so i i that's like the comparison i would make is the, to this shin sakai yori where it's it, there's that sweetness to it like you said or the point is to show a closeness between two characters just like any other traditional sort of like sex scene and any anything else. It it really does kind of that's probably why I I feel very comfortable uh more comfortable than maybe I should be at sometimes recommending Yurikuma to people is I think a lot of what drives people away from the way that a lot of anime do this kind of approach to sexual imagery and sexually charged storytelling is it kind of comes in without a purpose and it's got the horny without the, the underlying character. There are justifications for why these things are horny. There are sometimes characters who react to the horniness, but there's especially like an older anime that are like older broadcast anime. It's like, why is this current scene horny? Well, the answer is the viewer presumably wants it to be. And in Yurikuma, why a lot of the times the why is this scene horny for me kind of comes off as more because the characters actively are kind of having a moment. It, it feels a little less gazy, is I guess what I'm saying. It feels a little less arbitrary and pointless. Definitely less arbitrary. Yeah. I remember at one point um, when I was talking about it originally to you, Cass, saying something to the effect that it wasn't so much that I felt that I could tell sort of the gaze was there as it was that I felt that the show was bowling me over by being way too much, way too fast, all up in my face, so that I could not, in fact, gaze upon it. It was gazing at me. <laughs> <laughs> stare not into the lesbians lest they stare back. <laughs> I think it's like it's it almost feels like a parody of like I'm thinking of in like Madoka Magica like the transformation sequence at least yes. in the, like in the opening there's like a little bit of like I don't know how to describe it but it is very sort of like well she's wearing like lingerie literally yeah and like it's just like I almost feel like Yurikuma like the trans quote unquote transformation sequences in Yurikuma are like just outright very sexual lots of licking and dripping and like like people it's just like all over each other like I think it's mm -hmm. almost to the point of parody yes like the scene where the lily is coming out of Kureha and like they are both like <laughs> licking it very aggressively oh. like that's <laughs> comedy to me yeah like, they're 100% fucking with you. I know that that probably, for some people, is like, I don't want to see that. But also, like, that is comedy. Yeah, yeah like, it doesn't change the fact yeah, that it's... Well, it I, probably I makes people come comfortable, but it's, you know, it's very clear, like... It's kind of also supposed to. You would have to be have, do, making, a, like, a very bad faith reading of this show to, like, 
or not bad faith, but like really assume, be assuming that the show is not self-aware to take that just at face value. And I think unfortunately a lot of people mm-hmm. do take it or and maybe did at the time and have not tried to do any looking at it since. Like they saw what it was in the beginning and didn't consider we've got Ikuhara here, buddy. Like there's something else going on. It's not just horny for horny's sake. Yeah, and I feel yeah. like, it, like if I hadn't seen Utena before watching this, I would have been more skeptical going into it, um, which is why I would like, by my cr- criteria Absolutely. for recommending the show to someone is, did you did they see Utena? Did they like Utena? Did they kind of, you know, walk away from that show kind of getting the the way, you know, Ikahara in, is playing with, again, the power of the image, playing with, the, you know, narrative and all that. And if they walked away from that for Utena, you know, Mm-hmm. enjoying it and getting something out of it, then I I think most folks would get something out of uh, Yurikuma or at least be more primed to not just like recoil at this kind of, you know, provocative imagery. For sure. I feel like after Penguin Drum and Yurikuma, and I mean, I've only watched a little bit of Sars on Mai, but I feel like Uta like seems very, very chaste in comparison to all three of those other works. So I still like am hesitant to like, I think maybe if you... You have to be, like, one, you have to have seen Utena, and two, you also have have to, like, just have seen a lot of anime enough yeah, to that's tolerate true. Um, that sort of imagery. It's not enough to be Utena-pilled. No, it's not enough, sadly. I just, because Utena, I mean, even though there's a lot of very heavy stuff in Utena, it still is very, like, you, they hide a lot from you, or a lot of it is, like, implied. Um, even though there is disturbing imagery in Utena, it's not just outright very sexual in the same way that Yurikuma and even Penguin Drum can get. Before we go on to another subject, that did remind me of like, because I showed yes. Asterix where I'm dating an opera singer right now and she had never seen Utena before. <laughs> and I showed her Utena and she's not seen much anime like at all. Like she's seen like Sailor Moon and like that's it. But I knew she would find Utena interesting because of like performance and stuff. And she did. Uh, but something she like asked me like while we were watching the first five episodes, she's like, is this like considered like, because she was like remarking on like how like the girls in Utena, like everyone in Utena is really tall, like the long legs. So she's like, is this like considered like sexualized? And I was like, no. Like I was like, oh my God. Like I just was thinking of Yurikuma and like, <laughs> like I was like oh my god if she saw like any other anime she would be so scandalized because for her it kind of struck her as like because what? it like doesn't necessarily look realistic like and it's true that like Uchina's like 14 and she like she's got these really long legs and like you know that's not how like a 14 year old girl looks but I was like yeah it just made me laugh because it was like oh my god you have no clue <laughs> this is very funny I'm, I was I'm just really surprised it's like that wouldn't have occurred to me at all I just but I've also I I, I guess I can't imagine seeing Uta and not having had the experience of seeing shoujo manga before and just like your brain immediately knowing that's yeah. just a shoujo thing. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. like accepting it, like having seen enough Vampire Night before, <laughs> whether you wanted to or not, just, just to know. Or any given clamp production. Like, it, I yeah. almost find the, like, th- this is entirely not even related to Yurikuma at all, but like, I find it almost that the like the long legs and like the slender features and everything is almost sort of like intended to be a girl I don't want to say power fantasy but like like a it's it's like barbie dolls like they're this it's this idea of like oh all girls should want to be slender and thin and beautiful and like this is the style is emulating this ideal of of femininity that isn't even necessarily just 
for like sexual titillation. It's just, this is what women are supposed to look like. So this is how we're going to draw them. Which feels very, I think like draws attention to the fact that like Yurikuma is made in a very different time than Uta. Yes. Where like the, the it's very much, Yurikuma is very much in the era of Moe of like little cutesy rounder yes, features yes, yes. for sure. And so I think that's what also is like, provides a big contrast between the two series is that Utena is just from a different time when that Moe really wasn't a thing quite yet. And so Yurikuma is also dealing with that where they just like look inherently more cutesy, which makes it more uncomfortable to see these like even more uh, childlike looking figures in these poses and doing these yeah. things. So there's like a weird like feeling I have there because it's like, while it's true that Moe is more pronounced now, it's not entirely true that Utna predates Moe. Like, sure. if I remember right, when did Utna air again? Is on 97. 97, right? Yeah, 97. Yeah, like, that's, like, years after uh, Stop Hibari-kun, which a lot of people credit with being kind of one of the things that broke through the Moe aesthetic, has already mm -hmm. had its TV airing. That's post-Urusei Yatsura, post-Ramma mm -hmm. half. Like, it's not like there was no prominent Moe before this. It's more... It wasn't the only aesthetic that was, like, getting big traction and it was also mm -hmm. like the big thing with Utena I think is that it's pre the digital age of anime yeah. this is before you see a lot of digital animation techniques being used to kind of ease workloads for studios and you start seeing these rounded characters a lot more after that partially because they're just easier to do now than they used to be well I, I think the point was less that like Utena yeah. predates Moe and more yeah, than like I know I know it's the, the larger thing <laughs> is still correct <laughs> I'm, I'm being, the the I'm popular being style up. of anime has shifted much yeah. more towards like being very moe-fied in the past 20 years in since Ujina has aired. Right. And Yurikuma was right in the middle of that. Yeah. Who are anime fans if not pedants though? Like I totally <laughs> that, is, that is basically what I'm saying. I, the only reason I bring it up is kind of it's worth thinking about Yurikuma I've heard people say before that Yurikuma is sort of like a reaction to Moe being kind of a dominant thing, or kind of like a, imagining like this prelapsarian point before anime was devoured. And the more you like begin to tug on the threads of history, the weirder that narrative becomes because it's like, it's not ever quite that cut and dry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I will say, I mean, on the subject of aesthetics, I will say Yurikuma, I think, is the most gorgeous. Ikuhara work, I, I'll say that. I think uh, visually there's a lot of really amazing just going on, speaking of the power image, like not even just the like all the superior references, which are plentiful and yes. gorgeous, but I just think a lot of the, um, just a lot of the like visuals, uh, it's very stylized. Um, like I'm, I, I always think about like the very stylized depiction of the bear word, like so much imagery from the show just pops into my head. Um, it's just a really, really gorgeous. And also the music slaps, as always. Yes, yes, it does. As I was thinking about Yurikuma the past couple of days, I decided to peek into what people have said about Yurikuma on Tumblr. And oh no, <laughs> why did you go to the Nightmare Zone? You never go to the Nightmare Zone. We call it the Nightmare Zone for a reason. <laughs> I mostly ended up seeing uh, fan art that I thought was very cute, but I did see a couple of posts like kind of complaining about Yurikuma, and I think one of the problems people seem to have with it is like this inconsistency of the metaphor and the allegory or it perceived perhaps uh inconsistency i think that 
Ikuhara, in anything Ikuhara makes, nothing ever just means one thing. Like, nothing is ever just an allegory for one thing. But I saw some complaints about the idea of being a bear being a metaphor for being a lesbian and how that kind of... Uh, they didn't put it this way, but this was the way that my horrible brain uh, made the connection was it, it the way people were complaining about it reminded me of sort of the Zootopia problem of like, <laughs> if you take carnivores that are, are like are predators and that actually can cause harm to people kind of the way the bears can and do in this show, and you make that a, a metaphor for a minority, it when you start to kind of break it down it kind of it kind of, it seems like it kind of sucks because it seems like you're just comparing minorities to dangerous animals right i mean it's the x-men problem that that's literally have. just the plot of b stars yeah uh, i also saw somebody complaining about the fact that yuri kuma did what b stars is trying to do but better and more gay true <laughs> I, mean... I don't disagree <laughs> And BNA is also very similar to. I've uh, seen. Ahead, I think Christine. I've seen that. Like, like I've seen some posts with kind of giving that uh, same critique you mentioned, Panda. And like, I think it's definitely like yeah, on its surface, like the metaphor of the bear, you know, is like a symbol for if you take that to mean like bear equals lesbian, but that's not what it is. It's bear equals the no archetypical predatory sexualized lesbian that exists only it, it it's an extreme that exists only in art and in media like yes bear equals yeah. lesbian but also pure innocent girl equals lesbian in the like opposite end of the spectrum so it's like i i get the kind of knee-jerk response to it but it's also like i want to be like rewatch the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's also kind of my response. It's like, did you like, did you watch the whole thing? Did you dip out at some point? Like, I yeah. So my feeling about bears is it was like less even about just being lesbian, although it usually is shorthand for that, and more outside of society. Yeah, the other in a lot of ways is yeah. And it is literally just the other because like if it were just about lesbian, we would not have. There are like actual male bears in this show and there is only one male human being and he's the worst guy and he's deliberately found yeah. to kind of keep with the rest of the to kind of keep the human world in like a very specific aesthetic so it's interesting that to me i always kind of like read it as like the point of the show is like this is the other and not all of the just because you have been other doesn't necessarily mean you're good because otherwise like Eureka and like some of the other bear characters would not exist but at some point you do have to the show kind of wants you to understand that like part of embracing your love for someone else might mean deliberately and literally embracing the other within you which is kind of how I read the ending mm-hmm yeah, I mean, uh, while you're on Tumblr, I hope you found, um, I made a few uh, edits, <laughs> so I hope you found, I them, and found really, them lovely. <laughs> I saw a really good edit that was the Yuri approved screen, but it said homo approved. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and that, uh, that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, fully in my Tumblr era when I was watching Yuri Kuma, so there, for sure, if you're scrolling through the tag, I'm sure you see some of my old posts. Um, Probably. <laughs> wow, what an artifact. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
but yeah, I think this idea of like the, conf- I, I don't know if like the idea of it being an inconsistent metaphor, I don't really agree with. I think it can be kind of a confused metaphor sometimes in the show. Yeah. Like I said, it's not a, per- it's, uh, it's like the X-Men problem of like, yeah, X-Men equal, can equal like, like a minority, but also like real minorities don't shoot lasers out of their eyes. So it's not like a one-to-one. Um, yeah. I mean, I do personally, but that's not true of every minority. <laughs> that's not everyone. Uh, <laughs> right so i i do get the like complaint there but i think the show just like uh, does an excellent job of i don't know it's not it, I mean, it's still about like lesbians like i said like that's my x-men problem is like yeah x-men are supposed to kind of be like queer people but then you have like so many straight relationships you have so many that aren't <laughs> exactly and but then it's in the show it's just like it is about problems that affect lesbians featuring actual lesbians like that to me is, makes it inherently above a lot of other things that try to say similar stuff without actually having the the guts to use actual minority characters i definitely agree i remember i've said several times to cast as a joke that lulu is just ikuhara having a prophetic episode where he foresees what transbian culture will be like (laughs) (laughs) unable to bear the the majesty unable to bear oh my god you did it you opened it up you opened the door you let her right in you have no excuse (laughs) i can't believe you've done this anyway (laughs) yeah unable to bear the horrible image thereof he created lulu as to kind of to warn us of what we would one day become, but it was too late. I, I found the post that I saw comparing Yuri Kuma and Beastars, and it's from Tumblr user uh, Daisukov, and it's uh, actually, I'm quite pissed that Beastars gets labeled as this masterpiece and good commentary on sexual deviancy and how it has good gay rep. Meanwhile, Yuri Kuma Arashi is forgotten as the weird lesbo animu when it actually makes more sense than Beastars. <laughs> I, I don't feel like those are like fair comparisons for people to make, but I understand what this person, where this person's coming. From. I get the sentiment. Yeah, I get the sentiment too. B stars is a very, very different, and yes. it's a lot more of a, it's a lot more of a like high concept thing than Yuri Kuma's trying to be, which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> B stars is not trying to like so much create a metaphor as it is trying to take something that is often done as a metaphor. And then take it entirely literally and see where the story goes from there. Yes. It's more about that. Yuri Kuma is very transparent in that being a bear is still a metaphor in Yuri Kuma. Yes. Uh, Christine, you've got a note here about Mitsuko reincarnating as the embodiment of Ginko's desires. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but that's one of the, like, I think I just wrote that down because that is one of the aspects of, like, towards the end of the show that I found really interesting. I find Mitsuko, like, to be a really interesting character in general um, in terms of like the purpose she serves in the narrative. When I was re-watching earlier today, I, when I was re-watching earlier today, I also realized how much more interesting I think Mitsuko is than I probably initially realized. Yeah, yeah. like I don't know entirely what to make of her, but I find that scene of her and, and Ginko like after like, you know, like in the bed and like that whole scene is just very interesting if you when you're understanding it as like Mitsuko representing like desire incarnate and like part of this show is about like reckoning with uh desire and the right or wrong way to express desire um according to these like you know use it yuri approved 
And so I, I just find that scene interesting. And, and that was on my rewatch recently. That was like, I really think, yeah, I, I don't know quite what to make of Mitsuko completely, but I find that scene really interesting. So if anyone has more intelligent thoughts about that, I would like to talk about that. Thank you for bringing it up. I forgot about that. Well, in uh, the last episode that we recorded that hasn't come out yet, as of the day we were recording this, our guest compared Mitsuko to Toga from Utena. And <sighs> I feel like that also kind of helped me understand Mitsuko as a character archetype a little bit more because she's definitely going for a lot of the same things that Toga is in his arc over the course of Utena, just in sort of different ways. I don't know. I thought I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting the way the show kind of like brings characters back or like reuses the cast. I think that's something I enjoy about the the show as a whole is like it almost feels uh, we are talking about theatricality on Utena a lot. It almost feels like a play in how like limited the cast is. Mm-hmm. Or they're like almost like reusing actors for things as, as kind of how it feels. Yes. And, uh, I appreciate that it's even though it's like not about performance in the same way Utena is, it still feels like it's talking about that subject in a similar way, which I mean, obviously plays into this whole what I think is like, like the strongest metaphor of the whole show, which is the invisible storm. Mm. I think that to me is like the best thing. That's what always sticks out to me about the show um, is the way that it personifies the idea of being ostracized specifically as a queer person or as a lesbian. And so I, yeah, I think the Invisible Storm, I think is like one of the best ideas Ikuhara has come up with. Um, and it like speaks to something that is very specific, but um, even though you could generalize it as bullying or whatever, but it's in this show, it's very specifically about how people who are lesbians like are ostracized by other people. I also love the way that it's like this mingling of like homophobia and also rising fascism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very because obvious fascist imagery. Here's kind of a thing is like you you say Yurikuma's not about performance in the same way Utene is, and I argue that actually as far as the invisible storm is concerned, Yurikuma is exactly as much about uh, performance mm-hmm. as Utene is. It's just about a very different kind. For sure. Utena is about like trying to like hold to like specific narrative society tells us. Yurikuma is about masking. Mm. Yurikuma, the whole idea of the invisible storm is sort of, there's a lot of things going on in there, but the biggest one is that it is fundamentally the internal pressure that groups create to force you to conform to an ever shrinking standard of decency. Not even of decency, that's actually like the wrong word there, of standard of like existence is a better term for it. Because like, there's a reason it's an invisible storm. It's because it's playing off the idea of like being unable to read the atmosphere, being unable to go with the flow, to accept the social behaviors that have been prescribed to you. It does, yeah, that aspect of it reminds me almost, uh, I, did we talk about Gatchaman crowds last time we were on here? I, think I we hope did. so, because <laughs> it's exactly what I think of every time I watch this show. I don't right. know if we did. I, th- I feel like someone mentioned Gatchaman crowds here last time we were on here, but it is a simple, that, that show also approaches this idea, but I, I think Gatchaman crowds is much more generalized and that it's just about cyberbullying in general, which I think is the strength of Yurikuma here, which is that it's it's so specific. Um, and that just makes it more powerful, even if it, I guess, makes it less relatable to more people. But who cares? 
I mean, you say it's less relatable, but at least people remember Eurekuma, and I am one of the last four people who remember Scotchaman crowds. Right. <laughs> well, I, the, rest, I, yeah. the rest were lost to the great tokusatsu purge of 08. <laughs> you hate to see it. Did either of you have any difficulty getting into Yurikuma when you were watching it for the first time? Did you have reservations as you were trying to make it through the show? I think Christine did, if I remember the DMs correctly. <laughs> I well, because I I did, but it was like I was well aware I how the sh- I was like well aware of what I was getting into, and so I still was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm like I wasn't like fully on board with it for sure at first but I like I watched it all in a weekend so I didn't have like that long of a period of like I don't know if I like this I just like blew through it because I knew like I knew enough about Ikehara and I knew enough about like Utena like I didn't adore Utena the first time I started it um not this very different comparison Utena I just had kind of harder time time, like grasping it (laughs) but I knew like I wouldn't be able to fully appreciate it until I had the full picture and so I, d- I definitely did have some hesitations going into it because I kind of knew its reputation. I would, like, you know, Googled it and saw a little bit of the imagery out of context. But then again, <laughs> like for like most people, once I got to like, you know, the fourth episode, things started to kind of like fall into place a bit more. And I started to get, oh, like, okay, let's kind of understand the allegory of it all. And that this is all with the purpose. But yeah, I definitely struggled a bit at first, but it was like, I was approaching it in good faith on the assumption that it was going to be saying something interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I was like I said I was fully on board with Ikuhara at that point, um, and also that was a, like a point in my anime watching where I like was okay with that kind of imagery. Like like I said, I wa- have watched all of Bakemonogatari and like every offshoot of that, so clearly I like have a tolerance for it. <laughs> but I think maybe like definitely more so than I do nowadays. Like if you showed this to me today. And I didn't know that it was like by Ikuhara, I probably would dip out pretty quickly. Um, because I think at first glance, it does come off as like just any other given fan service show. Mm-hmm. But I think knowing you like, like we said, kind of at the top, like if you as long as you have Utena there as your sort of North Star of like, this person made this and even Penguin Drum too. It's like this person made these things. So you know how his brain operates. So you can trust that hopefully you're going somewhere. Um, and even if the ride is a lot bumpier for Yuri Kuma, like it still does get there, I think, eventually. I think modern viewers of Yuri Kuma have a big advantage when it comes to like going into the show. Because if you're going to be watching Yuri Kuma, it's probably because someone has told you about it. Because it's not something that is just like talked about in anime circles very often unless you're in specifically Ikuhara circles and I think having adequate expectations for what you're going to be seeing really helps with not just dipping out at the first sign of lily licking <laughs> <laughs> exactly I I knew what I was in for I had seen yeah um, I, everything going on with Penguin Drum so I was I was fully prepared <laughs> Uh, Sars on my though different story, but we don't have to get into that. If you end up watching more of Sarazam, I'm I'm very interested in what you think of it. <laughs> I know I, I I need to go back and watch it because like Yurikuma, it's, it's a single core. Like I know I could knock it out in a weekend. I just was like Ikuhara, you know I've I've given you so much of my time already. Like <laughs> we've talked about Utena for like 15 hours already. The least you can do is. I know. He's drawing me back in. The least I could do is watch the gay turtle boys. Why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
do we have any other topics that we would like to cover real quick before we go? Um, I feel like uh, we covered everything, like all my sort of thoughts on Yurikuma. Obviously, this is coming from like having oh, not seen the show in quite a while. That's fine. Um, just, and going off of like my very nebulous memories of it. But I think just overall, like I said, my feelings are on the show are that it's it's very worthwhile. Um, it's just like you have to have this. It, there's a high point of entry for this thing. And so I totally get if this is not for everyone. Whereas I, I tell people everyone should watch Utena. Yes. Um, Yurikuma, it's okay if you don't, honestly. But I think if you do, I think you will get a lot out of it, hopefully. And yeah, other than that, I think, like I said, visually... I think Ikuhara's best visuals and soundtrack slaps hard. Uh, I see Christine has one note down here about uh, Christian school guilt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because um, right after I finished, that was my favorite note. Yeah. <laughs> right after I finished uh, Yuri Kuma, I of course went into the empty movement Discord and to the like other you know the extended Ikuni universe channel, and immediately was like, oh my god, I just finished Yuri Kuma, mm-hmm. and I can't remember who had this conversation with me, but someone started you know sharing their thoughts on it and did bring up this idea of like to their experience having grown up like in, with a religious background, it, it meant a lot to them, and, and that kind of helped me recontextualize it too because I did go to a like a, a Lutheran school growing up. My parents weren't terribly like religious. They sent me to a Lutheran school because it was smaller and I was really shy. Um, but like it was not a like a fun place to be like a young queer person and to be like coming to terms with that there. But like the this conversation I had with this person, like this was months ago. Um, it, it did make me think about the show and like again the power of the image and like how like even like so much about being like a young queer person and for me specifically like I'm lesbian like growing up and trying to learn how to be that and to express myself but only having like certain images to work with and like um you know through media and stuff and then of course you know for me specifically you know I went to a school where like we learned like gay people are going to hell and like it's as impure this is you know this is a sin and that that you do carry that guilt with you for a while and like I don't think I still have it but like I joke about having it still because it is like when you grow up with the image of queer desire as being inherently sinful that that takes a while to uh, grapple with um, and just so the, 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 what this show is getting at with these two conflicting images, particularly the image of the bear, definitely made, made me think of that and, and resonated with me in that. So that was my Christian school guilt stuff. <laughs> I even watching the first few episodes again, I was struck how much Christian imagery there is in Yuri Kuma, like, and how much they talk about like churchy stuff like you hear references to like a pope and stuff and then like ginkgo is obviously taken in by like the bear pope as like a little baby (sighs) bear orphan and it's just it's very interesting uh as like a a part of the like the makeup of this show because like i normally associate christianity and homosexuality as being like themes that intersect more in like western media and not so much in like anime i as someone who went to public school i i just <laughs> um i i it like still resonates with me but i can definitely see how that it, it feels like i don't know it feels like there are nuns in this school just like off screen the whole time <laughs> so i definitely i get that vibe for sure yeah and not just because of all the stained glass there's a shit ton of stained glass in this place <laughs> Ikuhara loves a stained glass. And Don't we all? As he should. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, if that is that is our 
our final notes, we can go into plugs. Yeah, it sounds good to me. Yeah. Listeners, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at UtanaCast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Impandanata. Alice, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at LyreWolf, which is L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. And Cass, where can people find the podcast that you do with your lovely wife, Alice? I'm glad you asked. You can't find my social media because I do not wish to be perceived, but you can find Alice and I's podcast, Big Steppy, a podcast about real robots, cool robots, and real cool robots at wherever podcasts are sold. And you can find the podcast's official Twitter at SteppyCast on Twitter. That's S-T-E-P-P-Y-C-A-S-T. I'm sure that your hotly anticipated Darling in the Franks episode will, no. will just be <laughs> coming refuse. up so soon. I'll tell you what, Actually, we, are doing, we are never doing Darling in the Franks because I would have to sit and watch the whole show. But we might do Star Driver at some point. Because oh. You all have a script ready? And it's a lot less gross. And a lot talk more. about Is it a bad amazing. time to tell you I have a whole script ready? For Darling? No. Okay. Thank God. okay and derek and christine where can people find you guys on the internet should you wish to be found uh well you can find me at rain derek's on twitter unfortunately not talking about star star driver as much as i probably should given how amazing the opening of that show is but you can find us at shadow play gaze where we talk about utana um, but you can also listen to me on my other other podcast, Bitter Jurors, where we talk about a lot of things. But currently we're going to be talking about Survivor 41. So if you are part of this extremely tiny little section of a Venn diagram that Christina and I occupy, please come join us and listen to me talk about Survivor with my best friend, Sam. Gay Survivor fans are stronger than any U.S. Marine. We I are, have said like, it before. You have it no again. clue. <laughs> The things we put up with. I literally believe it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and you can follow me at xteen underscore files on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I write about Survivor on Inside Survivor. And we're going to be doing coverage for 41. So you can, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see me post about that. And if you haven't watched Survivor, you should watch Survivor. It's starting soon. And this will be a fun one to watch. And in the last episode, I said that I would be thanking patrons, but um, I was too busy watching Yuri Kuma instead of putting the list of patrons together. Okay, I said I was going to do it next episode, but fuck it. I'm just going to do it while I'm editing. So uh, I would like to thank all our current patrons as of the day that I am recording this audio bit. And that includes Katie V, Jeff K, Abby M, Jason C, A B S. Matthew M, Terry B, Gwen, hey, I know that person, Veronica R, Laura U, D.A., Kat C, Janae L, Empty Movement, Lily W, Keek, I don't, or is it Kick? I, I know I've talked to you before, but I don't remember how it's pronounced, I'm sorry. Alice, Andrew C, Ophir, J.K.S., Clear and Sweet. Ashley J, Calixa S, Jackie S, and Malcolm R. 
if you would like to be one of those patrons, you can slide on in there at utanicast.com and that helps support this show and keeps us going down the tracks, although we will always be free to listen to and download. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us, we have an email address. That's matchmeandutan at gmail.com. And you can also hit us up. We have a Google form in our pinned tweet where you can let us know that you would like to talk about Ikuhara or something that he has done, some crime that he has committed against <laughs> us anime viewers. And I believe that that is all of the things. So, gal gal. Gal gal. Gal gal. Gal gal. Gal gal. Look for the Oh, and Alice, I added something to the soundboard for you. Oh, God, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Why is it for me? Because you brought it up in the last episode. Oh, God, you're right, I did. I did bring it up. Makes that noise. <laughs>